Hey everyone, we're pumped to be able to share an exclusive trailer with you after the show. From Blue Wire Studios comes Golden Goal Stories of Soccer Legends. Narrated by fellow Blue Wire host Brandon Kelly, each Monday two new episodes will take a look into so- some of soccer's biggest stars and the moments that define their careers. From Holland, Messi, Rapino, and many more, each episode will focus in on the historical plays and personalities that make the sport great. So stay tuned after the episode and listen to Golden Goal, stories of soccer legends, wherever you get your podcasts. Hello folks, Colin Kelly here from Rotoviz Overtime, a podcast I host along with Sean Siegel. And in just a little moment, we'll jump straight into the podcast. Before we do so, I want to let you know as a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% of a Rotoviz NFL pass right now on the rotoviz.com website. It gives you access to all of our content and tools and sets you up perfect for the NFL season. All you have to do is add the code 2020RVRADIO at checkout or by going to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. And of course, while you're listening to the podcast on the network, helps us out a lot if you can rate and review on your favorite podcast app. I really do appreciate that. As I mentioned at the start, Road of His Overtime with Sean Siegel twice a week. If you haven't already checked it out, be sure to do so after this show. But let's get straight into it. Enjoy the podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome into another edition of Bogey Free. I'm your host, Matt Jones. You can find me on Twitter at MattJonesTFR. And today we are back with some uh, a quick recap of the week that was at the Memorial. And then we are going to do a couple of things to look ahead to the 3M Open and uh, also touch on one of the game theory pieces uh, that's posted at Rotoviz over the past couple of weeks. So. Uh, yeah, if uh, if you've been following along so far this year uh, with the cash locks, we we've hit a little bit of a rough patch here. Unfortunately, um, overall, it, the numbers have been have been a little bit uh, lower than last year, but for the most part, uh, we're we're pretty much uh, humming along for the entire season. So we've hit two winners. Um, out of the 16 events, we've had four top fives, seven top tens, 18 uh, top 25s, and 24 out of the 28 uh, potential uh, cut makers have made the cut. So just uh, just a shade above 85%, um, which obviously we, we would prefer that number uh, above 90, but uh, I guess t- two weeks ago and the the week before last we uh we went one for one uh one for two so um that that dropped our dropped our percentages down a little bit but um you know if if you followed if you followed along in uh with PGA DFS for uh any amount of time you know that the uh the carnage can can come grab you uh just about whenever it feels like so um as far as this week goes we uh it, it was it was almost like a, a flip happened with the cash locks uh after after the first uh the first day i i was feeling you know halfway decent about uh both of them 
And then we went through the rest of the week and it was kind of like, uh, you know, the, the course toughened up obviously over the weekend we had, um, just a, just a very, a very weird week overall. So if, uh, if you weren't following along last week, uh, we, we rolled with Abraham answer at 8,500 and Patrick Reed at 8,400 for the cash locks. Um, the, it looked like it was just going to be a complete disaster overall. Um, like Patrick Reed literally couldn't, could not do anything right. I was, I was, uh, texting back and forth with Hassan, Hassan who writes over at Rotoviz too. And, um, just, just constant, constant tilt. Um, you know, he looked fine on Thursday. Then he comes out on Friday and shoots a 76 um, to, ba- you know, just just basically barely make the cut. And then um, goes 70, 71 on the weekend, which typically wouldn't be, uh, wouldn't be something that we are too happy with. But that was actually kind of a, a decent outcome as far as the weekend went, because um, if you noticed, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I cannot imagine there were many, uh, many golfers that were more than one or two under, uh, on, on Sunday, uh, Fitzpatrick got there, Xander Shoffley got there and Carl Peterson, obviously Carl Peterson, uh, got there as well. So, uh, three guys out of the, um, out of all the guys that made the cut managed to shoot a two under or better on Sunday. So obviously a lot of carnage to be had. Um, Answer finished T58. Um, You know, he looked, he looked halfway decent through the, the first three rounds came out on Sunday, shot a 79, never, uh, never got anything. Never really got anything going on Sunday. I think he, I'm just pulling it up now. So, he did. He birdied the first two holes. Uh, so I was thinking, you know, maybe we were in business. Then he goes on to uh, par the next four. Then he goes bogey, 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 double, double um, over the next five holes. So he went from went from two under to five over uh, rather quickly, and he was just shot after that, uh, went two over the rest of the way, ended up just barely breaking 80. Um, not, not exactly what you are looking for from, uh, from anybody that you roster and definitely, definitely unfortunate that it came from uh cash lock. So he wound up T 58, uh, and with 44 DraftKings points, not, not our best. Um, and I kind of got sidetracked there, but, Reed actually was playing pretty well on Sunday. Um, he almost looked like he could end up finishing like second or third, depending on uh, how everybody else sort of shook out. Uh, he was four under when, or I'm sorry, five under when the weather delay hit and uh, came back from that weather delay, went bogey double, bogey. Uh, to finish with a 71, which, um, you know, theoretically is, was totally fine on Sunday compared to what a lot of golfers, uh, were putting up. 
but the the entire um that stretch just pulled him completely out of it like even if he you know goes two one or two over instead um we're looking at like a top six finish uh so that would have been nice but he ended up with a top 10 so i can't really complain too too much um finished with 73 and a half DraftKings points which again for for a week with uh so much carnage i think was was a pretty decent outcome uh especially after uh he shot that 76 on friday uh just barely made the cut and felt like maybe he could just he could just eject from there and uh and not really not really care much about the weekend but he he pulled it he pulled out you know, some, some extra birdies for us, some extra points, which is always nice. Um, moving on with the lineup, uh, I had Jason Kokrak in there, uh, as sort of my, my super low owned, uh, punt play. And he withdrew after the first round, uh, scored, <laughs> scored six and a half DraftKings points, which is not, Again, not exactly uh, the the outcome that we were searching for. Uh, so pretty much after Thursday, I knew that this lineup was dead in the water. So I didn't I didn't re- like fully I didn't fully appreciate or engage in the tilt that should have come with uh, with the rest of this lineup. So at the top for my my two most expensive plays of the week, uh, Dustin Johnson. I talked about him. Uh, a bit in the article, a bit in the uh, in the show with Evan last week. He was at ten thousand three hundred. It appeared that his ownership was going to be pretty low, and those are the guys, uh, you know, per the game theory stuff that I've been working on that we want to be targeting because the uh, you know that the the range of outcomes for golfers in the ninety five hundred and up range really um, really don't call for anybody to be super low owned unless there's, unless there's a real, uh, you know, news reason for it. Um, you know, an injury thing, uh, where they're trying to tee it up anyway and, and just see what happens. Things like that obviously need to be factored in. So you need to, you need to pay attention to that kind of stuff. But, um, there was nothing like that with Dustin Johnson. In fact, the last time that we saw him, he won, uh, he won the tournament. So (laughs) you would, you would think that a guy who basically was at the at the same uh, same price range, coming off of a win, and being low owned seemed a little bit odd to me. And he promptly went out and uh, didn't break eighty on Thursday or Friday, so uh, he shot exactly eighty both days, finished tied for one hundred twenty sixth, and. Um, you know, he got, he got that cool lefty shot, uh, which, you know, really, really helped out, <laughs> helped everybody out, uh, with their lineups, but 16 and a half DraftKings points, just, just brutal, um, to, to pay that much for somebody and get the miscut, uh, is, is obviously uh, a worst case, worst case scenario, even without the cold crack withdraw, um, you know the the lineup is automatically hamstrung um, when that when that sort of thing happens, and then not to mention on top of that fact, 
I also rostered Webb, who who was at 9,600, um, also low-ish owned, right? Lower owned than um, than pr- he probably should have been. And he went out and shot uh, 70, 176-74, only scored 24.5 DraftKings points, missed the cut, uh, barely finished inside the top 100. Um, which, you know, again, not, uh, either one of those outcomes between DJ and Webb would have been pretty terrible, uh, you know, uh, alone on their own, but to, to get that, uh, that combo in there at such low ownership at such a high price to then have them both miss the cut, uh, was definitely, definitely a little frustrating, but again, Kokrak saved me from that tilt because I didn't even I didn't even look at this lineup again after he withdrew because you just knew uh obviously you know when what if you're already starting off with a five of six best case scenario, uh you're certainly not gonna win um win much money at all and definitely not in you know a 75 75 person field with only a couple of a uh, couple of places with uh that are actually going to cash you're just not gonna you're not gonna see any uh any good outcomes from that um and then rounding out the lineup was henrik norlander he was uh just stupid criminally underpriced from DraftKings. i know that that's a shocking revelation uh that DraftKings could make a mistake like that but um Though these kind of these kinds of guys, if they're sixty three hundred and they're projected for any ownership at all, um, they're typically excellent bets. I didn't even bother writing up uh, a game theory piece for got the guys that are under sixty five hundred because they're just it's so rare that any of them see any ownership to begin with. Um, but when they when they actually do see ownership, it's it's almost always worthwhile to to eat that chalk when they're that cheap and that owned. Um, it, there there are very few instances of guys who hit you know even three percent ownership in this range. But when you when you're talking about a guy who's going to see like six to ten percent ownership in some in some contests, and it wasn't like it wasn't like really a, a well kept secret that he that he was a good. Uh, you know, a quote unquote sleeper or whatever you want to call it. Um, I think, I think those guys are automatic. I'm sure there's a ton of people that disagree with me on that and think that, um, you know, maybe the, maybe the price is there for a reason or whatever, but uh, I trust the community to identify uh, a golfer that is that underpriced um, for me, even if I didn't, even if I didn't realize it myself. So he ended up finished uh, finishing tied for sixth, mostly on the strength of his Friday uh, 66. He went, um, yeah, he he ended up finishing with 76 and a half DraftKings points, which again was a pretty solid, uh, pretty solid output considering the scoring conditions. Um, so yeah, Norlander uh, was was for sure uh, in play last week. He was in play the week before. Um, it remains it remains to be seen uh, whether or not he is in play uh, this week because of the price jump. I, I'll have to go back and look. Uh, I don't 
I don't know that there are many instances, even maybe outside of like, you know, going from uh, like going into the Puerto Rico open or some like weird, uh, some weird event like that. I don't know that there are many people that have gone from 6,300 one week to 8,600 the, the following week, regardless of, um, regardless of field strength, regardless of how they've played. I mean, we, we saw last week, we talked about it. There were winners, uh, that the winners that we have in the database typically only see like a, a 500 to like maybe an uh, 1100, 1200 price increase. So to see over $2,000 jump in price is, is exceedingly rare. So, uh, definitely, definitely something to think about. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about that more on the show with Evan tomorrow. Um, once we, uh, once we parse through some of that, uh, before I jump into the rest of the show, I just want to remind you guys about bet online. They're our presenting sponsor. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. And there's no better place to start than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Get in on the action for this week's big UFC fight, the PGA tournament, or check out odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and the Premier League. Can't wait for your team to come back. Bet Online has futures odds, including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Or you can check out the Sims that they have running to watch and wager on. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Okay, so we're uh, we're running running a little bit long uh, on the on the show, so I think we are going to just jump right in to uh, some of the lessons from the optimizer that we are seeing so far. Uh, I don't, I, I don't have any ownership projections or anything yet. So these are all just, uh, just based on the model itself, but, um, we can, can pull this up here and we can take a look. So I wrote this article, uh, a few weeks ago, I think it was the week Bryson one, um, just going through a few of the different things. Uh, a few of the different ways that I use the the optimizer. Um, the first thing that I always do is just open it up, set it to run 100 lineups, and put the max excuse me put the max exposures at 50. percent So there, it, it's you know impossible for the optimizer to put them in more than half the lineups. Um, what you're what you're looking at here, if you are following along in the stream you are seeing the golfers uh, that the optimizer wants us to have at least 20% ownership uh, or, you know, 20% exposure to uh, based on that particular build. So you have uh, actually a bunch of golfers that, that ended up with 50%. You have Fleetwood, uh, Will Gordon, Brendan Todd, Cameron Tringali, Harris English, Matthew Neesmith, and Vaughn Taylor, Paul Casey, and Tony Finau. That's obviously, um, if you did that, if you did that with, with a hundred lineups or 150 lineups and put 50% on all of those guys, um, you know, I'm, I'm about as aggressive as they come when it's, uh, when it comes to 150 lineup builds, 
with my exposures. And even that would be, uh, <clears throat> would be pretty absurd to go that heavy on that many golfers, uh, in the same pool. So, um, the, the other two guys that make the list are Bryce Garnett and Max Homa. Uh, I think that the, the Will Gordon thing is a, um, a function of the small sample that we have on him in the, in the power ranking model right now. I'm pulling it up. Um, yeah, should have had that up before, but, uh, in the, in the actual power ranking scores right now, he comes in as fifth. Um, but obviously he's a guy that we have not seen that we have not seen a ton from, uh, we don't, I, I don't even think we're up to 50 rounds, uh, on him in the model. So I would certainly take that with a grain of salt. Um, I wouldn't say uh, that he is the guy that I'm for sure locking in at this moment. Um, but it, this is always a cool way to see uh, who the optimizer really likes. Like the that that whole group uh, with that's locked in at fifty percent, uh, the optimizer and the power ranking models obviously obviously really like. So uh, those guys are definitely going to be in my pool somehow. Uh, Harris English, I feel, um, I feel pretty strongly about finding a way to get exposure to this week. Um, and obviously like Fleetwood returning is a whole nother conversation, uh, which we'll have on the show with Evan tomorrow. But, um, yeah, Har Harris English is definitely a guy who I feel like I want to, um, I probably want to be prioritizing this week, he's $9,000. Um, he's been in the top 20 each of the past two weeks. And um, yeah, he's shown some upside this year, right? He had a, he had a top 10 back in March uh, before we, before we shut down for a little bit there. So um, he's been playing, he's been playing solid golf this year for the most part. Uh, and obviously in this field, I think that, I think there's definitely a case, uh, a case to be made for him. So if we uh, if we switch the the second and final run that I did with the optimizer was going through and saying um, all right so let's let's lock in the top two power ranking scores in uh, in the optimizer and just you know just see what it see what it spits out so. Um, if you are, if you don't have it in front of you right now, or you're not watching, you're not watching the stream. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood has the highest score. He's the one with the hundred this week, um, and then next would be Tony Finau. Now, because of price and because of his score in the power ranking, uh, the optimizer actually put in a hundred percent Will Gordon as well. Again, that's not to say that's not to say that that's something that we're actually going to be doing this week. Um, but the if you're using the optimizer over at Rotoviz, uh, just just beware that a seventy seven hundred dollar golfer with um, with over a ninety two power ranking score is just it, they're just always going to be. Uh, 
the optimizer is just always going to be finding a way to try and get them into the lineup. So um, if you don't want a lot of exposure to Will Gordon, which it's, you know, that, that part's up to you. Uh, if you don't, I would suggest limiting the exposure uh, pretty heavily because the the optimizer is going to max it out. Like there's no there's no doubt in my mind that if you're building, uh, you know, you're building ten lineups and you put that you only want twenty percent Will Gordon, you're for sure getting twenty percent of Will Gordon from the optimizer this week. Um, going through the rest of the list, we see some some names that we saw on the first run. We see. Uh, Neesmith and Tringali, um, Kokrak, since I, since I did this, Kokrak withdrew. Um, so we will, we'll ignore him. Um, but Chase Seifert actually is interesting. So the, the optimizer only wants him in about 11% of the lineups this week. Uh, and I think that that's, I think that's, that's perfectly fair. He's, He's been a little bit all over the place, uh, which shouldn't really shock you because he—I mean, he's—he's pretty—he's uh, pretty much done that the entire time that he's been on the PGA Tour. Um, but he does seem to be playing well right now. He finished fourth last week, uh, two weeks ago rather, at the Workday Charity Open. This is obviously a much weaker field. There's a few guys at the top that you that you're probably uh, a little bit scared of, but outside of that, I mean, you can you can go on a little streak and uh, and pass a lot of the 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 scrubs in this field. So uh, I think that I think you could do a lot worse than Chase Seifert. Um, and yeah, we'll we'll go through and and talk about a lot more of these guys on the on the show tomorrow with Evan. Uh, I was, I, I guess I'll save, I'll save the, um, the game theory piece and discussion for next week. Um, but essentially, uh, like I said before, I guess we dove into it a little bit, but like I said before, if you're talking about golfers that are below 6,500, so the absolute cheapest guys, basically if they're, if they're projected to have any sort of ownership above like three or 4%, um, historically those bets have worked out. Those golfers have, have returned value, um, and managed to, uh, you know, managed to pay off. Obviously there's always going to be a ton of, um, a ton of variance with those guys, but I think that you, uh, you likely have a a pretty reasonable ceiling for uh, for a guy that's like sixty three hundred and and five or six percent on like Norlander, um, and I think I think that that's I think that's fine playing that way. I think you you eat that chalk and you make some some different decisions elsewhere. So um, that's what that's what's happened historically. Again, the normal caveats that. It, it doesn't mean that it's going to work every single week. Um, but I think that a lot of the stuff that we do here at Rotoviz is is structured around the idea that if you continually make better decisions within these small edges that we might find, um, you'll be profitable over the long term, whether it's the best ball win rate stuff that a lot of the, that the guys are doing uh, on the NFL side right now, or whether it's the game theory stuff. I think it's super important that you make um, 
you make those decisions consistently so that you can see, um, you know, over time that they actually, that they actually work. So uh, hopefully that makes sense. <clears throat> Again, we will be back. Uh, we'll be streaming live uh, right around 730 tomorrow. And uh, if you miss it, you can obviously find us over at Rotoviz Radio. If you are, are, not, are not subscribed to our feed already, please do so. The Bogey Free feed. Uh, if you want to drop us uh, a rating, review, a little five-star action, uh, we would greatly appreciate it. So uh, good luck with the beginning of your research, and we will talk tomorrow. See you. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe. From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. Oh, it tweets it automatically. Look at that. There we go. All right, that was perfect. I can see, I can see the mention. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at myself. It's Look at this. It's great. Good. I'm gonna have to cut all this out when we. Uh... All right, I'll do like the real. I'll do like the real beginning. Just we'll do like three seconds of nothing, and then we'll. <laughs> We're just like little children right now. <laughs> That's fun. Great viewing. All right. <laughs> What's up, guys? Welcome into. Ah, oh, come on. <laughs> I tried.